You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. I've been sharing a, a uh, series. Actually, Pastor Mike kicked it off. He did a wonderful job on, on uh, sharing a miracle of Christmas or the miracle of Christmas, talking about how uh, the story of, of Christ and the story of Christ coming to this earth is not by natural means. It's, it's supernatural. Uh, the Christmas story is, a, is an incredible miracle. That God accomplished, and, and so many times we go through through Christmas and think about it in the in the tangibles, what we see, what we what we hear, what we feel, what we can touch, and all those different things. But Christmas is a lot bigger than that. It's about the God of the universe being able to do miracles in the lives of people. And so I want to start out with two stories, two two true uh, situations that has happened uh, in 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 my life and. In the life of the ministry here. Uh, the first story is uh, five years ago, we were, five, six years ago, we were in Guatemala and we made a trip down there uh, as a mission team. And we usually, when we go to Central America, we usually partner with a medical doctor and we go into a village and they provide medical care for that village and they provide dental and all kinds of medical assistance, things that they can, first of all, not even obtain, much less afford. And so this medical doctor goes in there and he provides the care. And uh, the team that goes alongside, we take a team of nurses, uh, uh, sometimes uh, or, um, uh, hygienists, different, different uh, medical professions. Anyways, so we go to this, um, uh, this mission trip and we are, one, one day we're, we're doing the, the clinic and uh, Shauna and I are working in the pharmacy because they put us in, in to work in the pharmacy. We've been pushing drugs for a long time, so we were, we were uh, so we were at the pharmacy, and, and it's a joke, by the way. Don't. <laughs> and so uh, as we're at the as we're sitting there in the pharmacy waiting for patients to come at, with the doctor directing, you know, what they're going to be receiving, I hear this crash, this loud sound, a crash, and uh, what had happened, and there was a young lady that was sitting on a chair that fell off her chair to the floor. She, had, she was having an epileptic seizure. And so she was seizuring on the floor, and uh, the doctors were in their, in their uh, uh, you know, made rooms in the church, and, and the, the team uh, stood up, and we came together, and we did the only thing we know to do. Uh, we got around her, and we, we prayed. Um, and so we prayed, and then we, she sat up and, and got to her place, and, she, uh, and we went back to our places. We forgot all about that. And Dr. Ugo came to visit Living Word Chapel probably eight months after that. He was doing a conference, a big conference. He was one of the keynote speakers at Cass's Church in Tucson, and uh, during that conference, he came to, to visit uh, us and the, the team that had gone over there and some of the people that had gone on other missions trips. And when he got here, he said, he said I, I got to tell you something. He said, uh, when, when 
You need to know that that young lady that had a seizure that you guys prayed for, she would have at least three big seizures a week. Some weeks she would have a seizure every day. He said, but when you guys prayed for her, after that day, she never had a seizure again. And so we were like, praise God. Uh, the God that we serve is a God of miracles. And then I had the privilege of pastoring and becoming friends with, a, with an awesome young man. And this young man was from American Samoa. His name was Aizen Fonoti. He was not perfect, as none of us are. But what Aizen had is he had a genuine love for Jesus. And in his mid-30s, he was diagnosed with a very rare spine cancer. It was so rare that the doctors and the specialists came to the conclusion that there was nothing that they could do. And he saw the best of the best uh, in the Phoenix area as well as Tucson. The, the tumors were inoperable because of the location that they were in in his spine, the way they wrapped his spine. Uh, the doctors knew that if they did any surgery that he would be paralyzed. And so they didn't even want to touch it for the liability that it would create uh, or the, the possibility of them being liable for, for that. So he was left with no hope from medicine and from the physicians that were in his care. And he had that for about three years. The last year of his life, we used to speak periodically. He would call me and uh, we would pray in faith for a miracle through the hands of Jesus. And during that time, he called me and he said, I, I, I uh, received a, a word uh, from a friend of mine, pastor, in Samoa. And uh, this friend of mine, who's actually a pastor, uh, informed me that there's a fruit or a berry uh, that is made into a drink or a tonic, and it cures cancer. They've been known to cure cancer. And he asked me, what do you think about this, you know, this special berry tonic? And I, uh, I said, you know, Isaac, I mean, Eisen, uh, I said, God can use anything. So we prayed together. And from that time, uh, through probably the last six months of, uh, you know, throughout that year, he did everything he could to get some tonic and to get those berries because he put his hope in a miracle for his cancer. He pursued and he chased after that drink. Remember those words. He pursued and he chased after that drink. And I would love to tell you that the, the tonic worked, but it didn't. Coming January, which is coming up very soon, I did his funeral. January of this year, I did Eisen Fonoti's funeral. And I want to tell you that something, I want to, I want to tell you something that's very important. It takes a lot more faith to die in the Lord than to live in the Lord. When things are going well, it's a lot of easier to have faith 
than when you've been diagnosed with a spinal cancer that is inoperable and the doctors say there's no cure. The miracle in Eisen's life came a month before he passed away. He called me and he said, I'm at peace. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm at peace with going home to Jesus. And then he said something to me that is incredible. He said, Pastor, I don't have any family here. My family does not have the ability to come and visit me. My family, I don't even know if they'll be able to come to the funeral. So what I would like to do is I want to start to prepare my funeral. I, wanna, I want to put a funeral service together. And that funeral service is for me. And so we put it together. And he wanted a memorial service that was going to bring glory to Jesus. Now he did receive a miracle. And the miracle is that his suffering is over. And he's in the hands of the Lord forever. And he'll never suffer again. So as we continue the series that we've titled A Christmas Miracle, I want to preach a message that I titled Pursue the Miracle. I want us to go to the Christmas story again, Luke chapter 2, because if you'll notice, progressively we're looking at different facets of the miracle of Christmas. We're looking at the different people involved. We're looking at their reactions. We're, we're reading how they live their lives. And every person in here, every person sitting here today has obstacles and you have walls in your life that are beyond your ability. Every individual has a circumstance. It might be an illness. It might be a relationship. I don't know what it could be, but it's beyond your ability to overcome. And so I want us to look to the story of Christmas to see that there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's power in Jesus Christ. And as we read the story today, we'll see that we have a, a choice to either stay and not pursue what God has for us, or we can stand up and chase what God has for every one of us. And what he has for us is a lot better than what we have for ourselves. What God has for you is so much better than what you have for yourself. So let's pray over this message. Father, thank you for every person that's sitting in this uh, service here today especially second service, I pray your blessing upon minds and hearts and ears and souls. I pray your blessing, Holy Spirit, upon me as your vessel that I will speak the words that will glorify Jesus, that I will speak very confidently and very clearly, boldly, Lord God, and with grace, so all of us in here can hear your message. I may speak it, but I'm going to hear it. And I pray that when we leave here, that we will chase after your goodness. We'll chase after your grace. We'll chase after your power. We'll anticipate the wonderful 
wonderful potential that you have for your people. Maybe someone will be listening on the podcast. I pray for them even now for a touch from heaven that Jesus will touch them and they'll never be the same. We pray this in his name and everyone said amen and amen. So verse 15 picks up. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven. You see the, you see the progression? They had brought the good news, right, to the shepherds. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to, who, to which people? All people. We learned that last week. Now they return to heaven, and the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's put action to these words. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. When God speaks to us, it's always something worth listening to. When God speaks to us, it's always something that has a potential to bring positive things into our life or power or hope or restoration. Let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds, they told everyone. That's a highlight right there. After uh, After seeing him, they told everyone. Something about seeing Jesus work in your life that you want to share his goodness. Those cards that are on your seat, someone needs to know that Jesus loves them. Someone needs to hear the potential power of Jesus in their life. And your friends, your roommates, your family, your schoolmates, your workmates, they need to know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary, she kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks. They were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just, at the, just as the angel had told them. Because God never lies. God's messenger never lies. What God speaks into our life is true and faithful. And will change not only our lives, but the lives of the people around us forever. Now, if you're, not leaving, you're, if you're not leaving the appointment that you have with God, that, that, that message that you have with God, if you're not leaving with astonishment, you need to really take a step back and say, am I seeing Jesus for everything he is? Because when we see the miracle of Christ, we leave astonished with the power of the living God. God wants to do Things in our life that we could never do ourselves. And today we're talking about pursuing the miracle of God. And so I've got three points that I think are going to speak to all of our hearts about pursuing. The first thing that I want us to grab a hold of, the first point, is that there's some things in life that are worth pursuing. God doesn't want us to chase after the wind, but he does want us to chase after what's important. God doesn't want us to chase every message that's going around the news. God doesn't want us to chase every every situation that's going, all these different things. But there are some things in life that are worth chasing. Let me give you three. The first one is a good spouse is worth pursuing. 
A good spouse is worth chasing after. A bad spouse, a bad possible spouse is worth running from. And if you're married and you say, I got to run from my spouse, I'm telling you, you right now, you're married. You're probably part of the problem. You need to run to God. You need to run to Jesus so he can begin to do some work, right, and to begin to change your life. But a good spouse is worth pursuing. God tells us in his word that the man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. You see, smart men and especially wise men, it's funny that we have wise men in the Christmas story. Well, wise men are looking and they're pursuing and they're even chasing for a wife whom he can honor and whom he can love. Because you know that when you find a wife and you honor her, you'll find favor from the Lord. Not only will you find a wonderful wife, but you're going to find favor from God Almighty and he will bless you for doing that. Now, maybe you're in here and you're a young woman. Maybe you're in here and you're a widow. Maybe you're in here and you're a single uh, young lady. And I would tell you that you don't have to chase a man. The Bible doesn't say blessed is a woman who finds a husband. But you prepare yourself and you say, Lord, give me discernment for that man that you're bringing into my life. You prepare yourself. You, you, you let the, the Lord begin to work in your heart to, to begin and let you see clearly and not see through cloudy eyes. And there's a man that God is preparing to bring into your life, and he will be chasing after you, and he will identify that you are the right lady for him. So a spouse, a good spouse, is worth pursuing. Peace is worth pursuing. The psalmist, for peace, turn from evil and do good. Seek for peace and pursue it. God in his word says, you, 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 need, to, you need to turn from evil and do good. That's, that's really the word for repentance. Repentance just means turn around. And, and, and have you noticed when you're, when you're living in a life that's independent from God, when you have walked away from God, you, you live in a life and in a, and in a place of chaos. You've, you live in a place progressively that gets worse and worse and worse because the absence of God in your life is the absence of peace in your life. The absence of God in your life is the absence of Christ in your life. And Christ, Jesus, is the Prince of Peace. And so when you don't have Jesus in your life, what you have is the Prince of Chaos and Disorder and Disarray. And you live in a life that's crazy. And so God tells us, you need to turn away, turn away from evil. And you need to chase after peace, which he can provide. And you pursue it. So if you're here right now and you're living in a life that's chaotic, you're living in a life that's full of of disarray, you're living in a life that's full of discourse and disenchantment and all these different things that are absence of peace, it's because you need to pursue the prince of peace, which is Jesus Christ. So it's a good thing to pursue a good spouse. It's a good thing to wait for that good spouse. It's a great thing to pursue peace. 
to chase after it, to turn away from a chaotic life, a life that's taking you down a road of dead ends, to turn away and to find the peace that comes through Christ. And the awesome thing about the Christmas story is that the shepherds teach us Jesus is worth pursuing and he is worth finding. If there has ever been anything in your life that's worth chasing, it's God. And Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And that's why the shepherd said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this, this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The shepherds teach us that the miracle of Christmas is worth pursuing. The miracle of Christmas is worth chasing. Because when you find that, when you find Jesus, you're not chasing after the wind. You're not chasing after a man-made idea. You're not chasing after philosophy. And you're not even chasing after religion. You're chasing after God. And when you find God, you find the answer you've been looking for. Jesus is the word, the logos, the very existence of what life is all about. That's why the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The logos, the very existence of life. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the Word is Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you find the answer to life. You find the answer to your chaos. You find the answer to your emptiness and your loneliness. Because let me tell you, if you find a spouse outside of Christ, she or he will never fulfill your needs. Because they were never meant to be your God. They can never produce your peace. Only God can do that. And so people are chasing all kinds of dreams. They're chasing all kinds of things. But if you're chasing after dreams and you're chasing after things and it's absent of Jesus, you'll find yourself chasing after the wind and chasing after and finding chaos. You'll find the worker of miracles when you find Jesus Christ, who has the power to change your life. And only Jesus has the power to change us from the inside out. He's able to change us in the midst of our circumstances. You see, a lot of times we want God to change our circumstances. But what I have found in Jesus is that he's changed me in the midst of my circumstances. No matter how chaotic my world is, no matter how chaotic relationships around me are, no matter how chaotic my bank account could get at certain times, the Lord is working in my heart to produce peace and confidence and trust that he's more than able to get me through. And he's more than able to get you through. He can produce his love and grace in you that nothing can produce. 
God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah, and this is God speaking. He says, when, he said, you will seek me, and then you'll find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, you see, when we open up our hearts to the possibility of God moving in our lives, he will never disappoint. He wants for us to pursue him. He, he's worth you chasing after him. And you know, have you noticed that you can't manipulate God? You can't, you can't twist and turn. You can't do things like, you know, God, I want this. And, and you know, we manipulate people. We manipulate circumstances. We can't manipulate God. We seek after God. We seek and we, we try to find God. And when we do, he begins to change us. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about God coming to this earth to change our circumstances. From needy, desperate people to restored, reestablished lovers of God. You know, that song that we sang, it makes so much sense when you understand it. When it talks about that reckless love of God. Can I tell you why that love is reckless? It's not because God is a God of disarray and recklessness. It's because God lo God's love doesn't care what people are saying about him. When the Pharisees and Sadducees were, were cursing Jesus because he was loving on the, on the prostitutes and the sinners and the tax collectors, his love did not care. It was reckless. He didn't care about his reputation. God doesn't care about his reputation. He's going to love you no matter where you're at. When, when other people say, you're not worth, you're not worth, they're not worth your love, God. You don't understand what they've done. You don't understand the, the things that, have, that he's gone through. This, this preacher up there, you don't understand the things that he's gone through, the things that he's done. He's not worthy of your, love, of your love. The love of God is reckless. He says, I don't care what people say about me. I love him, and I will die for him. The Christmas story is about a God that has reckless love. He doesn't care about his reputation. His reputation stands in heaven as holy and righteous and good. Jesus said, if you keep on asking, you will receive what you ask for. He said, if you keep on seeking, you're going to find. And if you keep on knocking, the door will be open. You see, beloved, in life, there are things worth chasing. And the Christmas miracle teaches us, teaches us some very important things. The wise men left distant lands to find the Messiah. Shepherds left their flock to find the Lamb of God who takes the sins of the world. My question to you is could you use a miracle this Christmas season? Are you wise enough to travel and walk to Jesus so he can meet you where you're at? Do you know enough that there's a, there's a great shepherd, there's the great shepherd who's called the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. He can completely cleanse you of everything that you've done. You can walk cleansed in the holiness of God, not by what you've done, but by what, by what Jesus has done for us. The second point is so important as well. Don't procrastinate in your pursuit. We live in a world that we, we, we say constantly, I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow. I'm not ready. Some things 
are not worth putting off for tomorrow. And one of the things that's at the, at the top of the list, the one thing that is, that is at the top of the list of not putting off for tomorrow is that you do not want to put off your relationship with God for tomorrow. Every day that we delay opening our hearts to Jesus is a day we delay the powerful potential of God working in us and through us. Every day that we delay, I'm not ready yet. You know, I just, I don't, I'm not ready. Maybe next week, maybe next month. I'm just not ready. I, 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 I'm, I'm just going to wait a little bit because, you know, I, I still got to work on some things. I'm not ready. You're, you're, you're just delaying the amazing, work, uh, miracle-working, powerful power of Jesus from coming and permeating your, your heart and your life and working in you and through you. The Bible tells us that the shepherds, they hurried to the village. They didn't wait. They hurried to the village. Some of you, God is calling you to hurry to him because he wants to take you to a different place. You see, I believe that God is calling some of you today into a new relationship with him. It's going to be the start in your transformation. He's calling you to get water baptized and your life will be open to God-inspired possibilities in your life. We're baptizing someone right now at the end of the service as, as we baptize her. I love her story because she was raised in a very religious tradition with a lot of rules and regulations. Their headquarters is in Utah. And she moved to this place, and, and, and she was in this, in this, in this uh, very, very tiresome religious uh, order where you had to do, you had to perform, you got to meet up to a certain standard. And, and, and one of the funniest stories is, is, and I love it, I said it first service, and I, I got to say it second service, as we baptize her, I just love that the freedom of Christ will be upon her. But one of the greatest stories is that she loved coffee. And that's a detriment when you're in this religious order. And so she would go to Starbucks. This is so crazy. And she'd go to Starbucks and she'd, go to, and she'd hide behind the dumpster to drink her coffee. And then she met Jesus. And the freedom that comes in Christ and the freedom that comes through the Holy Spirit. And now not only can she drink coffee openly, but she can worship God openly. And go to Jesus without any barriers, without any obstacles, without any rules and regulations. But because Jesus paid it all. And because of that, we're free in Christ. And the miracle of God begins to work in your life. You see, for some of you, it's a newfound relationship. The miracle is coming. But for some of you, it's a deeper relationship with him. It's committing to some God-directed and God-orchestrated plans for your life. For example, some of you, God is calling you to connect to fellowship. He's telling you that Sunday morning is not enough. I mean, Sunday morning you come and you get filled, you hear a message and you get filled, but you're not able to share, you're not able to, to, to encourage, you're not able to receive what you need from God's people. 
in fellowship. So God is calling some of you to take a step into a small group where you can actually sit around and you can grow together. Some of you, he's calling you into this, uh, uh, maybe into a discipleship discovery classes where you begin to understand who you are in Christ. You begin to connect to the purposes of God. You begin to grow in the things of God. You begin to serve by using your God-given gifts because every person that's sitting here today, every person listening on the podcast, every person that will hear my voice, you are gifted by God. There is no one like you. For some of you, it's to take you to uncharted places in your walk with him. Some of you, God is calling to take you to places you've never been. And it scares the pudding out of you. <laughs> it scares the gazebes, jazebes out of you. I want you to think about this. Six years ago, when we went to Guatemala, the group of us prayed for this young lady who had a seizure. And God used this team from Arizona to lay hands on her and pray, and she never had a seizure after that. Now, let's just think about that potential. Let's think about that possibility. Let's think about what really happened. Do you think that anyone else prayed for her during that tenor of her epilepsy? Can I tell you that there, there probably was one or two people that prayed. I, I have to believe that there was one or two people in that village that, that trusted in Jesus and they prayed. But for some reason, God took a team from here to another land. And some of them were scared to death to go over there. Some of you are scared to go to Mexico. You're scared to go to places like that. I don't blame you for being scared to go, go to Mexico. Some of my cousins are bad. I'm just kidding. But usually the devil doesn't want to be in places where we're at. Amen? And so God is going to take some of you guys maybe on a short-term mission trip. See, you might not go to, to, uh, to Guatemala. You might not go to Honduras, but you might go to the Ukraine. We're trying to set up some trips to the Ukraine. We're trying to set up trips to different places. God's going to, he wants to take you to different places. And you need to know that he will provide for you. He will provide the monetary uh, income that you need. He'll provide the spiritual ability that you need. He'll provide the physical ability that you need. God wants to take you places that you've never been before, but you've got to pursue. You've got to chase the miracle power of God. I love the way that the writer of Proverbs put it. He says, don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. There are some things that are so important to you, beloved. They're so important to your life. They're so important to your spiritual growth that you need to be done procrastinating and you need to say, I'm going to do it in the power of Jesus Christ. Ain't it crazy? Ain't it crazy how I showed you two different situations. Isn't it crazy how on one side we had a, a young lady in, in Guatemala that, that we prayed for? And she got healed from epilepsy that had her down 
the majority of her life. And ain't it amazing that I talked about a young man who I prayed for and we prayed for to the same God in the same name? And they each received a different miracle? When we look at it through the perspective of the grandness of God and the grandness of the Christmas story, you see, the grandness of the Christmas story is not that Jesus was going to come and be a king on earth. The grandness is that he was going to be the savior of mankind, the Lamb of God who would come and die on a cross and say on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And what we need to grab a hold of, beloved, is that that same Savior, that same God loves you and has great potential for your life. But you're never going to reach your potential. You're never going to reach his given potential sitting in your seats. You'll never do it. And I'm not saying that in condemnation. I'm saying, you know what, that fear that's plaguing you, that fear to go to wherever God's taking you, you need to just stand up, stand up against it and say, in the power of Jesus, I'm going to reach my God-given potential for his glory. Point number three. And this is vital because this is how churches grow. This is, how, this is how you won't even have to, we won't even be able to keep people out of here. I know that. I know this. Point number three is don't ever forget to share the miracle. God never does a miracle just for you. Everything God does is for people to come to Jesus. Everything, that, 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 that miracle of the angels coming, la, hallelujah. <coughs> Ms. Calvin, I need you to come up. <laughs> we, got, we got the band teacher here. We need, I need some help because I can't see. It's never for, just for us. It's always for people. The, shepherd, the shepherds were impacted, but not only that, the community was impacted. The Christmas story reveals that after seeing him, after seeing baby Jesus, the shepherds, what did they do? They, they, what? they told everyone. Not only did they pursue the miracle, they, they didn't keep the miracle to themselves because everybody is looking for a miracle. Everybody is looking for something or someone bigger than themselves. And true miracles, they draw people, lives that are changed, draw people. The church thrives when miracles are in our midst. That's why I ask God's forgiveness. That's why I asked God's forgiveness several weeks ago. I said, Lord, forgive me for not welcoming and for not chasing after your power and your miracles because that's what changes people's lives one one week peter was denying jesus i don't i never knew him he was cussing someone came and talked to me just this week he said pastor i i i'm i'm, I'm trying to work on this cussing problem i got this this cussing problem i said you're in good company bro Jesus, Peter, not Jesus, Peter cussed all the time. 
One week, Peter was cussing, saying, I don't know this Jesus. I'm, he was denying him. But next week, or a couple weeks, he was transformed and he was preaching. The week after that, he went to the temple and he went through the beautiful gate and there was a man that was lame there. He was, he was lame. He had been paralyzed for 40 years. The crazy thing is that Jesus had walked through that temple and that gate during his three years of ministry. Jesus never healed them. But Peter walks in there, him and John. Acts chapter 3. And Peter says, dude, I don't have any gold. I don't have any silver. I don't have any moolah. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. What, what I do have is, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And this guy stood up. He hadn't walked in 40 years. And he stood up and he started walking and probably dancing, you know. Who knows what he did? But what I do know is that it amazed everybody. And Peter said this, and this is so important for you to grasp. It's so important for you to just pursue. Peter said that he saw this as his opportunity, and he addressed the crowd. He shared with the crowd. He said, what is so surprising about this miracle? And why do you stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Let's pause right there. Here's a lady. Here's a young lady that gets healed in Guatemala. And we prayed the same prayer. I didn't change my prayer, how I prayed for Eisen and how I prayed for her. It was just a simple prayer. Lord, we just pray that you will touch her in Jesus' name. That's it. There was no formula. There was no touching her. There was no touching myself with oil here, 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 here. I didn't do any of that. It's the same thing Peter says. Why do you stare at us like if there's any power in us? There's power in the name of Jesus. He goes on, he says, for it is the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. God the Father wants to bring glory to Jesus in every era of time, in every dispensation, in every generation. God the Father wants to bring Jesus glory. We bring more glory to Santa Claus than we do Jesus. And Santa Claus, I want to tell you something. He don't fit through the chimney because he's too big. We mythify him. And if you have a young person, I'm sorry. We mythify him. We, gl we glory Santa more than we do Jesus. Jesus is alive. And he's well and he can do miracles that we can not even comprehend if we welcome, anticipate pursue the power of God. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And then we're going to baptize an amazing young lady of the Lord into the freedom of Christ. She won't be baptized into a church. She's going to be baptized into the newness of Christ. Into the newness of this miracle that she's a new creation. And the former, the, the, the old things are gone. Religion is gone. She's walking in the freedom of the fulfillment of Jesus doing everything. He paid it all. But let's pray this prayer. If you, if you just really want to seek him with miracles and we just go out of here just believing that God can do 
way beyond what we could ever imagine in our own lives and in the lives of others. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for teaching me that nothing is impossible for you. And because of this truth, I choose to believe the Christmas miracle reveals your love for mankind through the birth of Jesus. But it also has birthed the supernatural reality of miracles in my own life. I choose today not to limit your potential this Christmas season. I place my faith in Jesus Christ and trust the Holy Spirit to work in my life in places and circumstances which are impossible for my human limitations. And we pray this together in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everyone said, amen and 